Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. I'm Jamie Smith. I edit the Northern Ever podcast, Birmingham FC website and podcast. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Hi, guys. I'm Jim. I'm the Leicester City fan for the EPL Roundtable. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jim988. Alright, thanks so much for joining us guys, and please have Jamie back with us. He technically supports a, a championship club, but soon... But I, but I. Right, soon to be <laughs> Premier League club once more. You're obviously in a very tight race in the championship level on top of that league at the moment. What's the feeling around Burnley at the moment? I, th- I think quite confident. Um, I feel a bit sick thinking about it at the moment because it's so tight and so tense, but... I think um, last weekend's results with us beating Preston and then Middlesbrough dropping points sent us top of the league. And I think everyone's now fairly confident that we are going to get the job done, knowing that two wins will be enough. Middlesbrough, play, Middlesbrough they play Brighton on the last day as well, which obviously suits us. It means that they can't both win their games. I think um, we're 21 games unbeaten now, which is... I think level with Brighton for the longest in the league this season. So we're obviously very hard to beat. We've got fairly winnable fixtures. QPR at home on Monday and then Charlton away on the last day. I think some fans are starting to get a bit concerned about possible protests on the last day. Charlton fans are obviously very upset with their ownership. They've been relegated again to League One this season, um, which I think Burnley fans sympathise with. But there is a section of Charlton supporters talking about trying to get the game abandoned which would obviously cause all manner of chaos for Burnley and the other promoted clubs. So hopefully um, they will protest but be respectful to our ambitions of getting promotion as well. But yeah, very positive at the moment. Obviously a little bit of nerves, particularly because we don't play until Monday. The other two teams play, so we could be back in third um, by the time we play again. But on the flip side, if Borough and Brighton were to slip up, then we would be able to seal promotion on Monday. So... It's very exciting and just hopeful that we can take that final step now because we've been so consistent all season. It would be a real shame if, if we then had to go through the playoffs because the playoffs are awful and I hate them. Yeah. Um, how much more would it mean to Burnley to win the league instead of just getting promoted even if it wasn't second? You know what? I honestly don't know. At the moment, I think I'm not bothered at all. If we were already promoted then I think I'd be more fussed. Obviously, we came second behind Leicester a couple of years ago, but Leicester were always a, a few points clear of us, especially after their beaters uh, with a few weeks to go. So it'd be nice to win it, but I think promotion's the, the ultimate goal and it would be it'd be good to have something to parade on the open bus tour, but I'm not too fussed. I think we'll still remember the promotion fondly, whether we get the title or not at the end of it. All right, and then the other big news happening today as we're recording is that the Danny Ings Tribunal, that is maybe nine months too late, gone ahead and listed it at $6.5 million, potentially rising to $8 million based on performance incentives. What's just your overall take of that whole process and where it ended up? Uh, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I think it's taken so long to come out. I think a lot of Burnley fans are just glad that it's over especially since the the tribunal happened and then it was another two days until we actually found out. It was like, is it going to be like another nine months until they actually tell us what we're going to get? Um, apparently, it is the biggest tribunal fee ever, so that's obviously a positive. The club's obviously done a fantastic job to get as much money as possible for him, but I, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more money. This is obviously a guy who 
was the championship player of the year, the year before we got promoted, then scored eight, nine goals, I think, in the Premier League for a poor team, to be honest. Um, obviously, they can't take into account what's happened since he's moved to Liverpool, but he started well there. He's, he's played for England since he left Burnley, so he's, he's obviously a player of big potential. And although he's had the injury that's meant he's missed a lot of this season, I think um, in the end, eight million will prove to be an absolute bargain. But um, as a friend argued it to me, it's it's compensation rather than a transfer fee. So you can't try and compare it to his market value because then we'd probably be talking at least twice as much. Yeah, and as was reported at the time, Tottenham were interested for around $12 million. And as I mentioned when I was talking to you earlier today, uh, no bias at all, but he definitely should have just come to Tottenham. He would have <laughs> yeah. gotten more money, he would have gotten more playing time. He already knew Kane from U21 stuff and then... Uh, the tournament that summer, and he obviously knew Trippier, who we brought in as well. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, th- I think he had his heart set on Liverpool. He's obviously, um, I think he followed Liverpool growing up, even though he was from from Southampton and was reputedly a, a Southampton fan. I think he just maybe grown up watching Liverpool, had an admiration for the club. Obviously, still a massive club, even though they've not really competed domestically of late. I think he'd have probably played about the same number of games that either club, to be honest, did have been covered for Kane at Spurs, although he can play on the wing, he can play as a number 10. You've got players he can play there as well. So he was going to be a squad player at either club. Obviously, Liverpool have changed their manager. I'm not sure what Klopp's going to do in terms of strikers over the summer, but I think he was starting to look really good before the injury, so it'll certainly be interesting to, to follow his career over the next few years. Yeah, also Southampton to Liverpool, a trail well-worn. <laughs> in years. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe maybe he just felt like he had to because that's what, <laughs> yeah, that's what we do now, right? <laughs> really that's what all the cool kids Poch do. Yeah, right. Really <laughs> surprising that Poch didn't go for the Liverpool job. Um, all right, uh, now on to Dan. We spoke very recently uh, at the weekend about all likes of player awards that were officially announced about ten minutes after we were done recording, which was quite frustrating. Uh, but anything else happening at Arsenal of late? Um, I can't say no, but no. Um, <laughs> um, we have everyone fit for the first time in God knows how long. Um, I mean, fit as in in training. Ox is still not available for another, I don't know how long. Wenger doesn't know how long. Cazorla might be able to come back on the bench this weekend. So, woo, I guess, for the last two or three apathetic games of the season. Um... Outside of that, nothing's really been going on other than fans are getting mad and mad because they're fans, that's what they do. Um, yeah, there's not a lot going on at Arsenal at the moment I didn't cover on Sunday. Um, mm. Well, we, we one of the things we mentioned was, you know, you among many Arsenal fans think maybe it's time for Wenger to go, but there's not really a better option out there. So uh, I saw earlier today somebody was mentioning Coleman. And you were not a super big fan of that. Yeah, no, but, no um, I can't DeBora say I am. looks like he's on his way out of Ajax. Do you think he would need a bigger job before coming to a club like Arsenal? Yeah, no, I'm not really... I'm not sold on DeBoer yet. No. Um, Neither were we. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we went with Potch. Yeah. yeah, that was a good decision. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that went really well, and it's also not what I wanted. So, uh... Yeah. No, I, I, I was... I was ha- I mean, as an Arsenal fan, you know... Boo Spurs. I was happy when you didn't get your first, your seemingly first choice manager, but I mean, yeah. turns out Pochettino's better. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, as far as man- managers that are, I mean, like I said on Sunday, I don't think there's anyone legitimately available that is um, a real upgrade on what we have. I think everything is either a sidestep or a downgrade. And Cohen's a significant a significant downgrade. Uh, I've said that time and time again. And uh, I I think if we want to go for our own Moyes-like mistake. I don't think we should be so on the nose with someone who plays reactive cross-heavy football because it really, it, it's really too similar for me to handle between Moyes and Komen. I think Komen's a bit better than Moyes, but not enough to um, to make the step up to Arsenal. I just don't think he'd be able to do it. Fair enough. Uh, now we'll move on to Jim, who may have less to say, really, about Leicester. Not really much happening there. Something about being able to win the title this weekend or something? Yeah, for the first time in forever, Tottenham didn't win a game, which helped. Um, so yeah, we battered uh, Swansea uh, on Sunday, 4-0. <clears throat> I 
they really look like they're done for the season, to be honest. Their best defender is Ashley Williams, and when he passes Mares the ball with about 10 minutes on the clock and he just scores, you know it's going to be a long afternoon if you're a Swansea fan. Um, so I would I would expect them to pretty much get beat wherever they play for the next few weeks because they just don't look bothered. And when you get done, I mean, getting beat by Leicester is, is one thing, but they got beat 3-0 by Newcastle the week before, which, you know... Newcastle couldn't beat anyone a couple of weeks ago. And I know they're kind of getting better under Benitez, but that kind of speaks volumes, I think, about Swansea and their lack of interest coming towards the end of the season. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously you'll come on to talk about the, the Tottenham game in a little while, but that was a huge result on Monday night. It now means that we can go to Old Trafford on Sunday and potentially win the league, which are words that I still can't believe are actually coming out of my mouth and that are actually true. Um so it's going to be a huge game. We're still without Jamie Vardy, who had his suspension um, extended by one game after his dis- uh, misconduct um, charge from the FA, and um, we'll be without him. So whether or not we go with the same team, I would imagine we'll start the same team, potentially, that, that played Swansea, which is Jeff Schlupp instead of Mark Albrighton to give us a bit more raw pace on the wings, and then Leonardo Gero and Shinji Okazaki up front. So... United are in good form at the weekend. Um, they've been pretty good for a few weeks now, getting better just as Van Hol seemingly being shown the door. So it'll be interesting to see how we cope um, without one of our kind of best players against a team that are coming into a bit of form. Yeah, it definitely will be an interesting one. The second we lost our match, I said, of course you're going to lose to United just to <laughs> rub it in and then pick up the points where you need to. Uh, we haven't had you on since one of your players won... Uh, player of the Year in Riyad Mahrez, the first African player to ever win it. Uh, what was your take on him winning it and kind of the internal debate of him versus Kante? I think it's fair enough that he won it. Um, he's been a superstar. And I think the reason that he has won it um, over Conte is because typically he's done the things that get more recognised in the media as successful. So if you score double figures in assists and goals in a season... Um, I don't know. I don't know if you can call that like a double double, like you do in basketball. But you know, he's 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 done that time and time again. And you know, he had double figures in both of those about three months ago, and he's been kind of off the boil a little bit recently, and then came roaring back to form um, against Swansea. So I can understand why he's been given it. I think Kante has been more important to us, um, probably if you compare the two. Um, mostly because I think we've got players that could do not as good a job as as, uh, Mahrez, but we have other wide players that could fill that void to a degree, whereas I really don't see that midfield destroyer like Kante is and someone who's going to be able to keep pace with you know seemingly anybody and tackle the ball from them so cleanly. Um, The guy's only had three yellow cards all season, which for someone who's made the most tackles by about, I think he's about 25 clear of the next best tackler, in the division is is incredible, um, so I, I could see why Kante was was given a shout. And you know, if, if, as someone who watches them every week, I can kind of appreciate it more than maybe the people that were voting on the panel because you're attracted to stuff like goals and assists. So yeah, I've got no argument with Mars winning it at all. Whether or not he's still a Leicester player this time next year remains to be seen. I'm kind of skeptical about that. I think he's I think he's been angling for a move for a little while. So. It wouldn't surprise me if we lost him in the summer for hopefully a significant transfer fee. How much uh, do you think he'll go for if he goes? Well, this is the thing. Um, he isn't English, so you can't apply that kind uh, of young and English multiplier that you can normally get with players from Southampton and the like. But you could um, do uh, Premier League experience, which is Liverpool's favourite. That's Yeah, that's true. Um, apparently, there's a few reports today that he's top of Arsenal's um, transfer list in the summer. I would say, kind of, considering we paid six million for him a year ago, kind of mid, I don't know, twenty to twenty-five. I think we would want. Um, I don't I think. think should, I think you should ask for much more than that. Uh, I think <laughs> yeah. you can get it. Sorry, I was thinking of Kante's fee. Then it's four hundred thousand. Oh, okay, so, yeah. Um, yeah, for Mares, I think probably pushing thirty. Um, I would think because he's had a really, really good season, but he can blow hot and cold as well. Um, he's getting much more consistent, which is brilliant. And he's bulked up a lot um, to do the defensive work because I think he, he said himself in his PFA acceptance speech that he was really struggling with the physicality to begin with. And he was kind of doubting 
um, people were telling him that you know he wasn't strong enough, he wasn't going to be good enough to to compete at that level. Um, and so he's come on leaps and bounds in the next nine months, and I'd just love to see the kind of potential of what he could do in the next nine if he carries on on that trajectory. Um, it's got a real kind of Gareth Bale esque feel to it, where he's kind of taken the lead by storm, kind of come from you know real obscurity relatively um, to do really really well, and I just hope that he's got a chance to do what he does now for us in the Champions League next year because you know he's such been such a big part of the team this year um so we'll see I mean it's not it's not a done thing that he's leaving but I would expect him to be kind of our number one target in terms of the player we're gonna be able to protect less from a move because he's he's so talented and seemingly wants to play at a quote-unquote bigger club he's kind of said that in interviews several times this year which you can't blame him for um, coming from where he's come from and you know making it on the big stage, as opposed to Jamie Vardy, who's kind of 29 now, happy earning £80,000 a week uh, for the next three years, regardless. Mahrez has got kind of that big move in him, I think, and he could play at the very very top level as well. It has sounded from some of his course in the past that he is more interested in staying in England. Do you think that is what happened? He um, he's ruled out a move to France definitely because he got linked with PSG. Um, obviously, being a kind of French-speaking Algerian player, I think there's that immediate link to PSG as as kind of one of the few handful of clubs that could actually afford him if we wanted to try and charge that kind of thirty million plus premium. I think he would be probably keen to stay in England. He's got a young family as well, um, a, a young daughter and a a girlfriend living in Leicester at the moment. So I suppose there's that to, to contend with as well. You probably don't want to uproot that family structure and move it abroad if you can possibly help it. So I guess somewhere like Arsenal would kind of help. It's only an hour down the road by the, on the train. So it's not really very far, even if they wanted to stay in Leicester and he could uh, he could kind of stay and come back all the time or move them down there. Um, so yeah, I think from what he said, he, he's, I mean, he's talked about Barcelona as well, and that, I guess that's kind of a pipe dream because I can't see where he's going to fit into that team. He's just going to it's only Messi and Neymar, exactly. Messi, Neymar, <laughs> and Suarez. But then you know, if Suarez is angling for a move this summer, he's probably just looking for a bigger contract. But if he does leave, then I guess there's kind of an opening there. It's unlikely, but yeah, he's uh, he's he'd be silly to move uh, to rule out moves like that, particularly when he's not had a new contract at Leicester yet. We'll probably offer him, you know, the same as what Jamie Vardy's on, if not offered to make him, you know, the most well-paid player in the club's history, break that hundred thousand pounds a week barrier. Now we're in the Champions League, so it's going to be interesting to see how that gets on. I think we'll get a, an idea pretty early on about whether he wants to stay or not. There's, there's, you know, it's a pretty short answer either way to a hundred thousand pounds a week for the next three or four years. Um, if you're Riyad Mahrez, you know, if you think you can get one hundred and fifty elsewhere and play for Arsenal or or Barcelona, then fair play. Yeah, um, for Tottenham, there's actually been a lot of news coming out. Obviously, Del Ali won Young Player of the Year, and then within 24 hours, punched Claudio Jacob, uh, ending a season with a three-game ban for violent conduct. Uh, at the time, I thought the suspension would be a bit less than the kind of three-game norm, but as soon as the FA started there, it did feel pretty fruitless to uh, challenge it, as it was a very clear incident. Um, the West Brom match on the whole was very disappointing. But uh, it was much worse for the fans of Tottenham that were counting this as a win heading into it, which is uh, obviously not a very safe thing to do when playing West Bromwich Albion, who have their days and they don't have their days. But to assume that West Brom wouldn't show up, I, I think, showed... Uh, and we don't talk about it in football that often, but kind of a trap game mentality. We were already looking at Chelsea, worrying about what were they what they were going to do. Were they going to play their best 11 against us? Then take it easy on Leicester the last day of the season. We were already looking at the title chase. I, I just think that both internally and externally, most people involved with Tottenham glossed over this one. Um, and, and it really came back to bite us. Could we have won it? Obviously. Should we have won it? Probably. But there are few teams that are better at defending in numbers than this Pulis West Brom side. And to be fair, most Pulis sides, period. Um, you see teams setting up behind the ball, but just expecting the sheer numbers to benefit them. But this is not how West Bromwich Albion set it up. This is how they want to play. And as soon as they got a goal back, there was very little chance of us getting a late winner. Um the end result of all of this is that we will not win the title, and the priority now shifts to trying to make sure that we finish above Arsenal 
and we'll have to do it without Della Ali, who I said suspended for the year, and Eric Dyer, who picked up a concussion. And while there's no official concussion protocol in the Premier League, which there needs to be, by the way, um, I'm, I'm not sure that even if he plays, he'll be at, at full strength. So hopefully he'll be able to figure it out. Um, not he, hopefully he'll be okay uh, to play in this one against Chelsea. But it, it's really easy to see us kind of tanking from here on out, not on purpose, just... You know, we put so much into this late push. Uh, I'm just not sure we'll be able to really boost the spirits again. And, and Chelsea aren't, you know, any easy match by any stretch. Southampton, you know, their defense hasn't really been as good as they had been earlier in the season. They can be a bit enigmatic. You never know who's going to play, so it's very hard to game plan against them because Mane and Tadic just seem to start at random. Um, but yeah, the goal now has to be finishing above Arsenal. So on top of the title hopes being dashed and the Ali suspension and the Dyer injury, now you get to add to that wonderful pile of misery that Mauricio Pochettino is being linked with the PSG job, which is still up in the air. The ownership has said that they're willing to stick by the current manager, but Poch obviously played for PSG, and it is a massive job. And the question is if he looks at this as his big chance or if he'd rather build his career before launching himself into that kind of spotlight. We haven't sold all of his players the way West, or sorry, the way Southampton did, um, but he has left mid-contract before, and PSG is obviously a place that's close to his heart. This is all kicking off from a quote where he said that it was his dream job. It, it does lead to concerns, because if he leaves, it wouldn't just be him leaving. Lloris has been linked to PSG for years. Now you're putting in his former manager at that club. I think that makes that very easy. Ericsson and Bertalian have both agreed terms for their new contracts but are both waiting to sign it until we see if Pochettino signs his extension first. It, it's, it's just a very frightening notion. And, and then you'd have this platform where PSG aren't under pressure until March or April when they get to the Champions League stages where it matters because they're just going to continue walking the French League, uh, especially when you see the names like Batshuayi and Lacazette and, and Nabil Fekir and all those guys being linked with moves away from Ligue 1. So... PSG are going to be the only ones that are able to maintain their current level of success. So now you have this platform where you could bring in young players like the ones from Tottenham that have already played for Pochettino and give them that kind of stage on a big stage, but in a very real way, a very dimly lit stage because um, there's not a lot of attention paid there outside of France. So it is fairly concerning. I still think it's more likely than not that Pochettino stays but if there was a situation that I could see him leaving us for, PSG is, is pretty high up there. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, and while we're talking about managers, very surprising news. Uh, the Kike Sanchez-Flores could depart Watford at the end of the season due to a break clause in the contract. Watford obviously have struggled here in the second half, but just a month or so ago, when we were talking about manager of the year, he was a name that was brought up, as Watford never really were in the relegation fight. They still aren't, despite their recent struggles. Do you think that Watford should stick by Kike Sanchez-Flores and vice versa? I think it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you look at it on the face of it, and he's kept Watford up quite easily. They got to the FA Cup semi-final, you think, and someone's going to lose their job for that, but Watford recently, since since the Pozzles bought the club, they've, they've done this. They've changed the manager four times or something last season, didn't they, and got promoted. So um, Normally you'd say changing the manager doesn't lead to success, but it seems to be working at Watford. 
Um, they're obviously concerned that the second half of the season sort of overlaps into next season. We've seen that, haven't haven't we, when teams end the season poorly, they start the next season poorly as well. Mm. Leicester obviously proved that it works the other way, but there's, there's countless examples of clubs that have done that. Um, and I think Flores will be unlucky, but I can I can see it from Watford's point of view, and it's interesting to see the response from their fans, actually. A lot of them seem to to agree with the decision, which you'd think would be a surprise, but I think that's just how football is these days, isn't it? People move quickly, and if a manager lasts for a year, they've done quite well. I don't think the style of football's kind of helped um, the the argument. Um, I do think it would be a bit harsh to bin him off after a year, given how easily, as Jamie said, he's kept Watford in the league. It's almost as if he's being punished for doing so well so early. If they'd had the kind of season that Leicester had last year, where they were dead and buried with 10 games to go and he suddenly got them out of you know an impossible-looking situation, I think you then go into the end of the season with a lot more credit, even if you end up on the same amount of points as if he'd had a good start to the season and tailed off towards the end. Um, I think it's as much about playing style, though, as, as anything else for, from what I've read and seen um, from the guys from like the Rookery End podcast and mm. various other bits and bobs. The, yeah, I mean, the you, results you and performances haven't been good. Yeah, you're not setting yeah. up to attack. And when you and when you've got such demanding owners, um, I think it's as much down to the you know the brand of football that they're playing. I say it sounds really corporate and really crappy, but I think for a lot of people, it's as much about that as any as results. You know, they want to see them battling with the best teams in in the best style possible, not just kind of making do and mend and getting through. And I suppose they feel like their investment demands that kind of level of performance and if they're not getting it then they're willing to to change things at the top and and try and make that happen I suppose Keisha Sanchez Flores is, is is obviously a good manager that's not in doubt but I guess there's always that that temptation to go for a more glamour name if they feel they can get someone who's a bit more of a, a Hollywood name someone who's a bigger draw to kind of attract better players and stuff um, as well as the Premier League money then there's that always that in the back of people people's minds as well I think he's been a bit unlucky as well. If you look at the strikers, much of their success in the first half of the season was built on Troy Deeney and Odi Inigalo being unplayable at times. And both of those players have been very poor since the turn of the year, whether that's down to the style or they've lost form or Premier League defenders have worked them out. Neither of those players has looked up to the Premier League, in my view, in the second half of the season. So when you've had a strike force that's been so prolific and then in the second half of the season they can't buy a goal it becomes a lot more difficult to be a manager i think that i'd i'd be okay with it if they don't if they know a manager they're going for because watford have been truly terrible the second half of the season um since christmas it's been um 17 games they have three wins against newcastle west brom a week that would have been a couple weeks ago when they were essentially on the beach and had two penalties saved, and against Palace, who have been terrible the second half of the season as well. They scored 12 goals, and I think the reason they're in such a good place in the beginning is because, like uh, Jamie said, Audi Nagala was just running crazy hot. Like, this was never going to keep up. Yeah, I mean, he scored one goal since um, one goal since New Year's, two goals since Christmas, but like, he was never going to keep up the kind of streak he was on uh, in the first half of the season. Like he was just—he was running way too hot. Um, and really, they just like they got that forty-point mark, and they—but they've been really, really bad. So again, if they're just firing him because we haven't played well second half of the season, fire him, and then like, okay, who do we hire? Then that's one thing. But if they actually have a legitimately good young manager, or doesn't have to be young, could just be good um, manager in mind to replace him with, then I'd be pretty okay with it yeah I, I agree that if they have somebody lined up that's the only way it makes sense maybe if De is not good enough for Arsenal maybe Watford would be an interesting destination for him uh, I will say uh, to what Jim was saying it'll be harder to find a better name than Kike Sanchez nah. <laughs> um, in terms of better manager uh, and name recognition yeah but the, what it's such a great name it's so fun to say it helps find a better face as well he's a very yeah. good 
on. The, the salt and pepper beer with the hair swoop? It's a good oh, one. yeah. I don't know where we're going with this, but I agree with all of it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you invite me on the pod, I'm afraid. Jamie just right. starts talking about the aesthetics of the managers that are going to get fired as opposed to the <laughs> Also, I, I love playing Scrabble and just thinking about playing a version where you could oh my God. use proper nouns and you could use player names or like so how about only player names like players and managers <laughs> only football, football versions i'm in i'm in okay so so one of those cues has to be a blank because you only get one in the box right yeah but that means you're getting a q and a z that's just really impressive you're wasting the s in the middle of a word but if you're connecting it to a word perpendicularly <laughs> i'm just saying you, you i'm impressed at how much here. thought you've, you've you've obviously put a lot of thought into <laughs> how you would play <laughs> i mean <laughs> i'm not a regular scrabbler yeah. but would you need more letters than the normal scrabble game yes. to spell oh, yes. sanchez uh, flores yeah you, you really yeah. would because you get seven <laughs> Yes, I was going to say, I thought it might be nine. I was like, nope, still not enough. Yeah, that is slightly more than seven. Uh. So, yeah, I think that what we've discovered is that there definitely should be a football version of Scrabble. The fact that Words with Friends was made for mobile, and then people learned how to do it there instead of Scrabble first, and so now there's a board game version of Words with Friends. <laughs> That's terrible. We, I am actually starting a Kickstarter right now, by the way, so if I go a bit quiet, I'll be like... <laughs> Uh, listeners can't see this, but Jim just typed "scrab ball" into the into the chat, and that's we, we are trademarking You're that. It's ours. And, uh, due to digital copyright and stuff like that, if we've said it on air, which we have done, uh, that's us. And uh, hopefully, we can get some backing on this. The tiles could have little footballs on them. You know, I, th- I think we'll make loads of money. We'll have an IPO, and we'll see you in Dubai. And then we'll buy a football club. <laughs> <laughs> and we can get both BT and Sky because we'll be millionaires then. Right, yeah, exactly. can, that's probably the only way you'd be able to afford it. So, yeah. you know, to have a public company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the actual topic, I, I really uh, pigeonholed myself here going last, but yeah, agree with what everybody said. Just twelve points since January first. Point eight points per game in the league, which is the fourth worst in the league. You mentioned the win against Crystal Palace. They're one of the three teams that have been worse. Uh, not not a very impressive thing. But, but I mean, Igalo and Dini are in that kind of tween area. Like, they're better than the championship. They might be just a step below if you really want to find success in the Premier League. But Kapu and Mario Suarez, despite being a very defensive pair, is a very strong midfield. Cathcart has impressed a lot this year. I know Nathan Ake slash Ake slash Ake. I think it's Ake. <laughs> Um, I've, I've always said Ake. I've always said Ake, and then who do we have on? We had Rasmus on, and he was like, ha ha ha. And I was like, dang, Rasmus knows everything. DJs, doctoring, how to pronounce <laughs> names, being Portuguese slash Belgium. Like, <laughs> Belgium. That's that's what you call people from Belgium, not Belgian. They're Belgium. Um, they is- are Belgium. <laughs> they are the entirety of Belgium. <laughs> this is really going off the rails pretty quick. I agree. I think it's crazy that they want to get rid of Sanchez Flores. Um, considering what he's done, I totally agree with Jim that if you flip the halves of the season, then you're really impressed. But they have dipped lately. I'm not sure how much that is his fault. If they have somebody that's already come to them and said, I'm interested in this job, and it's London-esque placement, great for them. But if they don't have somebody, I think this this could end up biting them in the tail. All right, and uh, very quickly, uh, we did a, a fake thing last Thursday on most improved player. This time, we're going to do manager of the year. I'm not expecting much pushback on this, but we'll start with Jamie. Or, or to keep things interesting, who, who should have won it in uh, the championship? Should it have been Dyche? I, I think, um, I, I, for starters, I don't like that awards are given out before the season's ended because anything could happen yet. And no one does. We all hate yeah. it. Exactly. <laughs> We've um, been I'm, over I'm, this. It might not be an, a, an original opinion, but I still have to lay out my view there. Yeah. Um, from the championship, I think Hewton's as good a shout as any at Brighton. I think Borough and Burnley were both expected to be up there. Brighton, I don't think anyone outside of Brighton was expecting them to be up there, where it's, he's got them competing with us. They've spent a bit of money, nothing like the money that Burnley and Middlesbrough have spent. Brighton have never been in the Premier League, so it's uncharted territory for them. Um, so, yeah, although I think Dash has done a fantastic job, especially if we win the title. Uh, 
I think Hewton would be a, a worthy winner there. From the Premier League, obviously, it's difficult to argue against Ranieri. Um, a few others, I think, should be in the conversation. I think Bilic has done a fantastic job at West Ham. A lot of people expected them to struggle after Allardyce was sacked to have them in the top six and doing well in the FA Cup. I think it's a fantastic achievement. Um, Bournemouth, I think they've spent money, but I think Eddie Howe's done terrifically well. They're probably the smallest club in the history of the Premier League, maybe, certainly in the last 15, 20 years. And for them to be mid-table, they could finish as high as 11th. And that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, obviously, Ranieri, if he wins a title with Leicester, as looks increasingly likely, I think it's very difficult to, to argue anybody else. Uh, yeah, yeah I, pretty much I, addressed all of it. <laughs> moving on, next. What's next? <laughs> uh, just kidding, but yeah, so uh, quickly, Dan, yes, Ranieri. Yeah, it's yep. got to be Ranieri. If Jim, it's not, I mean, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Pochettino, <laughs> but whatever, it's not. <laughs> Pochettino probably deserves a shout, but I'm an Arsenal fan, well, so I'm not sure I can say that. Well, just, I mean, he can't win over Ranieri because yeah, I mean, it's just, bleh, this, it's just this but, crazy um, thing where. You know, any other year, finish five. above City, United, Arsenal, Chelsea, you win the yeah, league. Finish like any four other year, spots. only four losses, wins the league. It's just Leicester happened to, to show up bigger this year. So in any other year, Pochettino wins it, and it's probably not that close. But instead, you know, Leicester <laughs> had a very weird Leicester, season, uh, and then brought in Ranieri amidst much controversy, and no hosts of this show ever said that they'd get relegated. And then uh, now, now they're about to win the title, which is truly a, a turnaround. Um, I, actually, uh, I guess the interesting point to go from here is, Jim, what do you think of your season next year? Like, what what are your expectations going to be? Um, I can't say seventeenth again, can I? You won't let me get well, away I mean, with that. You can. Begin of this year. <laughs> it's going to be difficult because I think it's going to be a very transitional summer. You've got like Conte coming into Chelsea. Uh, Klopp's going to have his first proper pre-season at Liverpool and everyone's expecting that to kind of bear huge amounts of fruit in terms of their performances. Uh, Louis van Gaal obviously might still be at Manchester United, might not. Pep Guardiola coming into City. So you've got a lot of the big boys are kind of reinforcements and you know obviously when a new manager comes in they normally get in, in that situation you know, tens if not hundreds of millions of pounds to spend over the next couple of transfer windows. So we're going to be up against it to kind of keep competing with those big boys, especially with the European football as well and how much that drains um, the the kind of resources on the club. I think it's going to be a season of kind of uh, trying to hold on to the best players that we've got now and protecting them from moves. So the likes of kind of Kante and Mahrez, who we've spoken about already, um, and then making sure we have that depth in the squad to deal with playing twice a week on a regular basis in the in the cup competitions um so it's it's difficult i think you know anywhere kind of top half would i'd probably be happy with i'm not i'm not going to be disappointed if we finish like 11th bearing in mind it's going to be a hugely transitional season it's difficult to know you know this season's come out of nowhere so much obviously um that it's kind of difficult to know where that we're going to top out and start kind of re- reverting back to the mean to use a kind of stats term. But um, I would be happy with kind of anything kind of top half, given that we're going to be playing Champions League football on a regular basis. So it's just going to be. Make it out of the group. Um, it, I suppose it's kind of be one of those sides that goes in and just enjoys the process. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, it's going to be difficult. It depends who you get. I suppose the fact that if we win the league. Uh, we're going to be a top seed, so yeah, I guess that kind of helps. Oh. Yeah, we're going to be like this year's Zenit St. Petersburg, where you really want to get PSV. Us, like, yeah, or PSV, because you win your league, you're a top seed, and then everybody in the in the kind of pot two, pot three, pot four is kind of looking at you and licking your lips. And because we're an English team, um, the winner of the Premier League isn't normally seen as like a soft touch, whereas it tends to be a kind of a team from a, a one or two team league that everyone thinks isn't as strong. So it's going to be difficult to, uh, to 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 kind of judge that until we see who's in our group. But I'd I'd be happy with like third, I guess, maybe not coming bottom and trying to get into the Europa League and see where that takes us. Kind of do what you know Manchester United almost did this year, and or you know Tottenham kind of dropping into that league and going for it, trying to get into the Champions League again that way. Maybe that would be our best option rather than trying to finish fourth. Mm. Yeah, but you never know. Interesting. Also, if you drop down to the Europa League, 
you can still help us get some of those coefficient points. Because as much as I love Tottenham yeah. and I'm impressed by Leicester, that is not the Premier League's best foot forward. Is the coefficient thing really a thing? Like yeah. how far? I, I know it's a thing, but how far away are Italy? It like year. in the oh, really? this season we're losing the, the Chelsea win. The, this how, season has how, helped us, right? Because Italy was yeah. terrible. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. how bad would we need to be for Italy to get the fourth um, spot? If like if we had, really bad. If both Tottenham and Leicester didn't go through past the group stage, um, and Italy had all three of theirs go through and had more in the Europa League than the Premier League, then then things would start getting iffy again. But uh, I, I, I haven't Southampton at... and West Ham suck for this year. Yeah. Like, oh, it would have oh, been a really West good Ham. year for England. Yeah. Because oh, West yeah, for England. One match. Well, two yeah. matches. Yeah, no. no. Well, they, they got in via the Fair Play League and then kicked the crap out of everyone to make sure that didn't happen again, and they got knocked <laughs> out at the earliest possible stage. That was their strategy. I think that's yeah. what they were going for. Um, but anyway, it, it, it is a possibility that we'd lose it next year. We, we have really helped ourselves with Liverpool and City both making it to the semifinals. With, uh, I don't think either, I don't think any Italian team made it to the quarters. No, uh, Juve lost to Bar- Bayern, not Barca, Bayern in the uh, round of 16. And then, um, and then was Lazio it Na- lost Napoli- to Praha. Yeah, Lazio got crazy upset by Prague. Um, if you look, again, expected goals with me, but their map is hilarious for the two legs. It's like, um, you would have expected Prague to score one goal and Nap- and Lazio to have scored four, but yeah. instead Prague scored four and Lazio scored one. And then Napoli got dumped out by Villarreal really early, considering they were like co-favorites of Dortmund. Yeah, yeah. So so it is less of a thing now than it was a month ago, but it is still possible for us to lose it next year, and then then things kind of uh, stabilize because of the the time span. We had the United semi-final that's going away this year, and then the Chelsea win is going away next year, which will narrow. But then, because there hasn't been crazy success since then, and Italy hasn't really had terrific success either. Oh, well, Juve made the final. Yeah, outside of that Juve final. So basically what you need is is Leicester to win the Champions League next year. Or Tottenham. You know what? It'll all be fine. Tottenham will come in second behind Leicester. Leicester Tottenham final. final. It's all good. (laughs) We are like coefficiented up to our eyeballs for the next 10 minutes. I'll tell you what, I've never been so pleased to support a team that's never ever going to have to worry about coefficients. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, though, you say that, like, we legitimately were in the same position as you two years ago. It's true. It's very true. Um,. Somebody asked so me about this the today because we show would... Burnley for the Champions League. Is that yes, what yes, it's got to yes. be or Scrabble, yes, and that's it. Or Scrabble. Um, so, but it was like it's funny because we were how talking we the day at work about how um, there are going to be so many absolutely outside bets on various teams next year. Yeah, you because of like the Leicester effect. We're going to yeah, like the bookies are going to be gonna absolutely raking well. it in. Oh, Everyone who's but this is Everyone never going to happen. Everyone who's a thousand again. to one is going to get backed by the people that live in that city ten times more than they usually would. Yeah, like that's gonna, uh, that's gonna suck when people are trying to re become the next Leicester, quote unquote. When this yeah. is never going to happen again. But, uh, well, we know the yeah. answer now. It's Burnley, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Spoilers. Yeah. I'll, I'll get them to write all the articles. Yeah, okay. hey, right. Like invoicing like crazy. <laughs> We'll, we'll steer everyone your way uh, for that, to be sure. Wait, but it would be Burnley in two years, right? Oh, yeah, but they're still next the year, next. Next year, they're in 20th at Christmas, then finish. Yeah, yeah. Then... Oh, it's cool. I can wait, yeah. It's fine. All right. All right. Well, Villa <laughs> aren't going to be the next year. Leicester, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So, never mind. Let's not have that conversation now. That is very much an off-season conversation, and potentially not even one worth having. So, uh, we will move on to uh, Player Watch, where we haven't had recent matches in particular but i thought it'd be interesting if we went through and named a player at our club who surpassed our expectations this season so maybe somebody that you were down on and then you're like oh wow so i guess they are actually pretty decent uh we'll start off with jamie okay um, i think this is a tricky one for Burnley because i think our squad um after the transfer window course at least it looked like it should be competing um for for promotion at least if not the title but one player who's certainly overperformed, in my view, is Ben Mee. Um, I think he won six out of the ten supporters' Player of the Year awards this week. But he started the season playing left-back, 
No, as a left back, Ben Mee's fine. He's he's quite limited. He's not that comfortable on the ball. He's very much a, a blocker, a defending fullback rather than an attacking fullback. Um, but I think we got beat three 0 at Hull on Boxing Day. After that, Sean Dash moved me inside, brought Stephen Ward into the team. Since then, we haven't lost. Ben Mee's been absolutely fantastic at centre-back. I think he's had one slightly dodgy game. Me and Keane, two of the best young English centre-backs in the country, in my view, and I'm excited to see how he does in the Premier League because he's not really had a chance at centre-back since he signed for us, even though he was supposed to be a centre-back. He just sort of got shuffled, shuffled out to left-back, maybe because he's left-footed. I don't know if he'd even played there before. No. He had a spell at Leicester, didn't he, Jim? But I, I don't know where he played for you guys, but... Uh, centre back yeah, for us, left, second half left this side of the centre back partnership normally, and we had Michael Keane as well. So Burnley yeah. really are the next Leicester, basically, <laughs> is what we're saying. <laughs> it's written, it is written, isn't it? So yeah, Ben Mee for me. Jimmy I think. Vardy. Uh... Also, we had Keane who <laughs> was a Leicester, so Tottenham were the next Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> the next Leicester. <laughs> the thing is, like Burnley have legitimately got a player in Andre Gray that used to be playing at the same level as Jamie Vardy. Like he was playing for Hinkley town who uh, a club like 15, 20 minutes drive away from me in like the Northern conference or the Southern conference, whichever one they're playing. So he's legitimately had, albeit slightly more elongated, like a massive rise to, to prominence being that he's going to be playing Premier League football next year. And he is also very fast. I mean, I couldn't really mention Andre Gray in there, given that we paid £6 million for him or something. But, yeah, he's also been absolutely fantastic. And if we get promoted, I'll be very excited to see how he does next season. I think he's got the pace and power that causes problems for defenders at all sorts of levels. And unlike some strikes, I think when they come up from the Championship and they have a few games where it's difficult, they don't see much of the ball, they don't have a chance, and it bothers them, and you see the confidence go, and it starts to weigh heavily on the shoulders... Andre Gray just doesn't seem to have that. He'll miss a chance and then he just seems fine straight away. He bounces back really quickly. So I'll be very interested to see how he does for us next season because I don't see him being at the club long term. I suspect he's going to have a Premier League career. All right, and then uh, at Arsenal, who has surpassed your expectations this season? Um, I guess the easy answer is Alex Iwobi. But um, I don't know, he's just been... Playing a lot better than I expected. I didn't expect him to play for us at all this year. I expected him to go out alone to a championship side, play pretty average, and probably not make it. But uh, hey, look at this. He's actually broken into a first team, legitimately. Um, yeah, no, he's just been very, very good. He's exactly what we needed. Maybe not exactly, but he's a version of what we needed to balance out the team because with um, players, it'd been for a while, it'd been Walcott or Oxford Chamberlain on one wing and then Alexis on the other, or when Alexis was out, it was both of them on opposite wings, or Joel Campbell one of wings, and there's just too many players who were just dribbly and gave the ball away a lot. Less so Campbell for giving the ball away, but again, not really the kind of interlinking player we need, and with, um, what was it, uh, with Awobi, he's very good in transitions, moving the ball, so that's, and since, since we lost Gazzarola, we've needed that. Um, he's just come in he's played well it's and scored goals which i didn't expect from him um it, it's been a complete shock to me maybe not to some other people but i don't think anyone expect i don't have very many people who would have called him playing a major role in the first team this year maybe next year but even i thought that was very optimistic so i mean Awobi, i had no expectations and he's played well um and consistently all right and i imagine this will be quite difficult for you jim but who most uh, surpassed your expectations this season no, it's quite easy, actually, for me, for someone who surpassed my oh, expectations. Um, you think I'm going to say Wes Morgan, don't you? That is what I think you're going to say. <laughs> I'm actually going to say Danny Simpson um, oh, at right yeah. back. Like, bar the Arsenal sending off, which was a proper brain fade, um, he has had a really, really good season. Like, for a guy who couldn't get in the QPR team when we bought him, and who started the season behind Richard Delat, who's now on loan at Middlesbrough, um, in the championship because he's basically been frozen out of his position and needed to play um, on a regular basis. Danny Simpson has been just so solid. Like he doesn't look out of place in that defence alongside like Christian Fuchs and Robert Hoof, who've played at you know pretty good levels in their careers. Um, and he, he, you know he seems to just—it's the whole theme of Leicester, really. Like that the team is 
better than the sum of their parts. That's basically the tagline for our entire season. We have got very, very special players in kind of Vardy and Mares, but on the whole, you know, it's solid if unspectacular at times. And kind of Danny Simpson's the perfect epitome of that. He's he's um, he does his job. He's not overly. Um, Attacking, so he's he's not like the modern fullback that bombs on all the time. Um, the furthest he goes up is like seventy yards out of a hundred for for a throw in, and then he'll run straight back to his kind of position. But he's he's just been, you know, and we missed him so much in that one game where he was suspended. Um, it really kind of showed us at that point, you know, how much we kind of took him for granted in, in that defensive unit. Hmm. Um, I'm I'm also going to stay. Uh, at right back, I've, I've talked too much about Dembele the past few weeks, although his resurgence was crucial to our season. But uh, Kyle Walker, who had really stagnated since his, his season when he won Young Player of the Year, which is still mildly laughable to Spurs fans. I can only imagine what it's like for non-Spurs fans. Um, but he, he used to make loads of mistakes, counted on his pace constantly to bail him out. But this season he's really blossomed and he's drastically improved his positioning. And on top of that, now he has Eric Dyer who's a capable right back and a defensive midfield can slot back into the back line whenever we're attacking. And as so often hop happens in a 4-2-3-1 where you have inverted wingers, you rely on your, on your wing backs to really get forward and create on the edges. So um, he, he's gotten much better at that uh, as well. The delivery still not perhaps as good as Kieran Trippier, who we brought in to challenge him, which, by the way, is, is a theory that I never particularly bought into that if you bring in somebody to challenge somebody, they'd really step their game up. But now it's happened to us on both wings. We brought in Ben Davis and Danny Rose had his breakout season. Now we brought in Trippier and Kyle Walker's had his breakout season. We should just do that more. <laughs> that seemed to really work a treat. Um, who, who knows what will happen if we bring in somebody behind Kane. 50 goals, I guess, is really good. <laughs> the next uh, mile point. Uh, of course, I jest. But, uh, yeah, I've been very impressed by Kyle Walker, really pleased with his development. And he doesn't rely on his pace anymore. He could play his game without it. And now he, his stamina is up a lot more because he isn't constantly in, like, that dead sprint um, to, to get back to cover for the errors that he's made. Uh, and now just uses it as an asset, uh, particularly to go, to go around defending players who and it's it's a trait that Gareth Bale had as well where defenders think that they're at top speed and then they just crank it up a little bit more and then it just messes up all of the defensive angles um so yeah the the fact that he's using it less I think is actually also making it more effective as well Hang on a minute. Did you just compare Kyle Walker to Gareth Bale? Hey, is that a thing that just happened? Uh, I hey. compared their pace <laughs> I think you're okay, fine. Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> I mean, I, let's not kid ourselves. Kyle Walker is the right-sided Gareth Bale. I mean, they both won Young Player of the Year. <laughs> they both won Young Player of the Year. They both started at wing back. I'd honestly totally They're forgotten they won Young Player of the Year. Like, they both have 90 plus pace on FIFA. Kyle Walker to Madrid. <laughs> Uh, we need to get Walker <laughs> on the pitch with Mycon and see what happens, don't we? Yeah. Oh Christ! Okay, so okay, so then the big question is, who's the left back version of Mycon? Because that's um, who we have to abuse. Alaba, nice no, too young. He's good. He's actually too good. young. And uh, good. I guess Mycon's good at that point, but um, mm. yeah, yeah. The reason why that was such a big deal is that he had just won. He, he had just been in Team of the Year as the defender. Who was just in Team of the Year left back? Uh, Marcelo. Oh. Okay. That's actually really simple. That's our <laughs> prediction. So next year, Burnley win the title, and Tottenham's breakout player is going to be Kyle Walker, who does Marcelo, uh, and then he goes to Madrid in two years after we come in fifth yet again. <laughs> All right, uh, well, we will wrap up with match previews as we head into the weekend. We will start off with Dan and his match against the Canaries of Norwich. Um... Yeah, Arsenal play Norwich at home. Um, it's kind of a game we can't really afford to drop points in because we have, I guess technically we could afford a draw, but that would mean we'd have to beat City the next weekend. But um, for the top four, because United, if they win their game in hand, although that is against Leicester, but um, they would be two points behind us. But I, I mean, Norwich are that cliche fighting for their lives team, but I think they're fighting for their lives because they're not very good. And I think as poor as we've been recently and as disinterested as we looked recently i still think we'll be able to get the job done 
because uh, Norris aren't very good, and they can't defend. Uh, we will move on to Jim. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. You're going to be visiting Old Trafford, potentially, to win the title. What are you feeling heading into this one? Sick. Really, really <laughs> yep. sick. Yep. Um, it's difficult, as obviously, without Vardy, he's kind of our, he would be our main weapon, and he, he has kind of terrorised Manchester United in the last couple of years. Like The, the, the game, his kind of best game, um, of last season was the 5-3 against United and then obviously he broke the record for the most amount of consecutive goals scored in the league um, so it, it's difficult to see us winning it without him but I'd love to think that we could turn them over but it's probably going to be like a I don't know maybe like a boring draw like 0-0 or 1-1 I guess mm. yeah I, I could see this one being close well, uh, is the show going to be fit? Uh, yeah well he went off limping with his back, I think. Um, but by all accounts, no one's kind of mentioned that he's not going to be fit. So I think everyone's just kind of assuming that he is. Otherwise, it's going to get really interesting because we're basically out of strikers then. Um, because we loaned Cramerich out in January and didn't buy anyone else. We've only Shorten really had three. From, Shorten yeah, Shorten. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Like, for, <laughs> But basically, he's been a converted fullback for the last two and a half years. Um, so... And he, he, I don't know if you saw on the highlights what happened when he got cleaned through the other day. Like one, yeah. one he did set a show up, but he did also Gosh. put one into row double Z, like when he got <laughs> absolutely lashed it, and some guy like fifty rows back lost his false teeth or whatever. So, um, I, I, it, I would absolutely love Schluck to play up front at Old Trafford because they had him on trial uh, two years ago and said he wasn't good enough. Like we legitimately ninetieth minute. Yeah, like we legitimately let him go to Old Trafford for a month-long trial in the middle of our season. So he just upped and left for for four weeks, and they played him in like three under twenty-one games. Um, Imagine and if Jeff scores the goal that wins the title. I, I, do you know what the thing is? I'm the biggest <laughs> Jeff Slup fan going. I absolutely love Jeff Slup, and even the people that sit around me at Leicester. <laughs> the people that sit around me at Leicester actively shout at me when he does stuff wrong because I'm such a big fan of him. Like, I, they get angry at me because of stuff that he's done. Why would you so I do that, Jim? Yeah, why do you? That's just, I'm not in control of his wayward shooting. I just think he's a really good player. Maybe you just like, can't be too. He's, he's not in control. He's not in control it's, of his yeah, wayward shooting. No, no. it's, 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 it's not like I've got him on a FIFA controller. I'm just literally holding down the button too long. But or do you? That's what, that probably says more about the people that are sitting around me than, than Jeff Slup, to be honest. And they they seem to overestimate my influence on the Leicester That's team. That's actually the premise of the new Avatar film. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you're just lying in a bed controlling Jeff just, Slup. Yeah, Jesus Christ. This sounds like a very, very dark place now. Um, I would watch that. I'd definitely watch that. <laughs> three, three hours long, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just loads of shots over the crossbar. Then the yeah. sequel of that will be Andros Townsend. <laughs> you know, you know the, 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 sometimes in football warm-ups they have to put like nets up behind the goal yeah. that they're shooting at so they don't like kill fans. I think basically <laughs> Jeff Schlupp made that invention happen <laughs> because of his <laughs> way of shooting. Um but I would absolutely love him to score the winner at Old Trafford. I think if that is, I could like die a happy man. I might just end it all then and there once we've lifted the trophy. Because <laughs> well, it's well, not going to get the ground would be buying you drinks. Oh, well, exactly. Yeah, at the, at the final home game <laughs> yeah. of the season, I expect not to have to buy a drink until the end of time because of the fact of what I've done. <laughs> I could like legitimately get on the open top bus parade as having some kind of responsibility for that goal. In your little bed pod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so just, yeah, that's you and just arm in arm, just walking on the open top bus. Yeah, the same you lifting him, lifting the trophy. I, I yeah, because he's quite small actually, so he would probably he be right. on your shoulders. Kind of, oh, yeah, awesome. he could be on my shoulders this, like a kid at the beach with his dad. This is a really just, interesting topic sorry. that we should bring up sometime. How many players on your own club could you pick up on your shoulders? Yeah, <laughs> it's very few at Leicester because they're all big old lads. Apart from Angola, leaves zero. Yeah, you can have Kante on one arm and Schlup on the other, and then uh, apart from that, you'd struggle, I think. Ah, fair enough. So we're going to win 2-1, <laughs> oh, and right. Schlup's going to score the winner. All right, uh, for me, Tottenham visiting Stamford Bridge to face Chelsea. I have been more optimistic about things in my life, not going to lie. Uh, I, I think the attack will struggle the most this match, trying to deal with the absence of Della Ali. I have seen way too many Tottenham sites and reporters that I respect 
to completely discredit this, but I have no idea why people think Ryan Mason is going to fill in for Della Ali. Della Ali has not played as a central mid- midfielder for Tottenham since November. He's been playing as our either our attacking midfielder or our left winger, which for me makes Son or Chadley the obvious choices. I just don't know why that's being... Uh, yeah, surely. So because he's a CM in FIFA. Don't you know, Kevin? Come on. Harrison's going to play the Kane, surely. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, Mason's going to play up front. Kane will shift to yeah. left wing. Eriksen <laughs> behind. It's just Laurie's very strange. Le- Laurie left back. Yeah, obvious. To be fair... Dan- Danny Rosengol. To be fair, outside of Neuer... You'd be hard-pressed to find a better ball-playing goalkeeper. Or am I just crazy biased? Is that sign No, he's indicated? good. I, and <laughs> I, I, I don't know many goalkeepers. Fair enough. I, mean, I don't watch enough um, as many goalkeepers as I need to to say Laurie is the best <laughs> or Laurie is the worst. Play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that really doesn't happen that often. Yeah, because it shouldn't. But anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, Chelsea Minule Tottenham. is why it shouldn't. But, uh... <laughs> right. Um... Yeah, I, I just think we'll be dis, disjointed in attack, trying to figure out everybody's new roles. It should be less disjointed than if Ryan Mason, for some reason, was on the wing. Um, but I'm still not particularly confident. Chelsea have, have been very uh, hot and cold on effort the past few weeks. Um, but it looks like Hazard is finally rounding into form, and I think he's going to be looking at these matches as kind of the warm-up for the Euros, which I think many people were questioning how effective he'd be for a highly touted Belgium side that, that you know, didn't have many players that were in terrific form with Lukaku and Benteke both struggling. Although, they do a Batshuayi who they can just plug in, who, who's been doing well in France. Um, but yeah, I, I think Chelsea are going to really show up, uh, regardless of whether or not there's any chance of us winning the title, which I don't think there is. Uh, but I think we're going to struggle in this one. Uh, the heart says a draw, but the head actually sees a loss. I think a 2-1 loss for Tottenham uh, wouldn't be that surprising, which would make the Tottenham-Arsenal race for a second a very compelling one. Don't you get my hopes up, Kevin. That's not my goal. Um, all right, and uh, we'll wrap it up. You're also playing on Monday, Jamie. You mentioned the match against QPR. Obviously, you could decide your fate here, as you mentioned. Um, the, the other two are playing themselves. So what do you see heading into this match? I don't know really. I think I think the fact that that we play last this weekend is potentially a benefit if if there's been drop points by Middlesbrough or Brighton. But if they both win, then obviously there's a lot of pressure on us, and it would be quite a nervous, tense occasion at Turf Moor. I think Brighton play immediately before us as well. I think their game finishes basically an hour's start. So if there seems to be a lot of late goals in the Championship recently, if they were to get a late winner, which has happened a few times recently. Um, that could be quite demoralising for players and fans and it, it would be maybe a strange atmosphere. That said, QPR aren't a very good team. We've been quite strong at home. Um, teams from sort of mid-table, the bottom half, we've put away home and away all season. So on the face of it, on the pitch, there's no reason to suggest we wouldn't win this game fairly comfortably. This time of the season, shocks do happen. Um, I don't see there being one involving us, I think... Preston on Friday night was our difficult game. I'd be quite surprised if we don't win our last two games. So I'm fairly confident going into this one. QPR, I don't think they're going to put up too much for a fight. It's a cliche, but I think an early goal and a good fast start would be absolutely key so we can get ahead and lessen some of those nerves. But yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident that we'll still be top um, going into the last day, which would mean that I think a, a draw would be enough for us with Borough playing Brighton. Yeah, unless my math is wrong in my head, which is entirely possible. Um, if you win, regardless of what the last result would be, you'd go up. Because if they both got a draw... No, because no? Um, a draw would take them both. Everyone's got the same points at the moment. So if we oh, all so win this weekend, won. then they could draw and we could lose and finish third. But yeah, as, lo- as long as we win this weekend... We should be fairly comfortable. And your last match is against Charlton, which you mentioned, who, who are likely to go down. You said there might be some weird ramifications surrounding that. It, it, if it would be abandoned, wouldn't they just give you the points? Um, I think it, it depends on various things. The precedent is Blackpool fans did the same thing um, at the end of, was it last season or the season before? And I think the game was 48 minutes old. It was nil-nil, and they decided to let that result stand. Um, 
I it was Huddersfield they were playing and it didn't have a massive impact on them. They could have finished one place higher. Um, I think there is some cash for places in the Championship, but it's not vast. But Huddersfield were upset because they could have finished above Leeds, which is obviously a big thing for them. It's a bit of a local derby, so it would have been bragging rights over the summer. Um, I imagine that there is a contingency plan. There's been talk of replaying the game behind closed doors during the week, but if we were to end up in the playoffs, then that would affect the playoffs. Um, I would imagine that there'll just be a heavy stewarding presence, a lot of local police, and no matter how much disruption there is, the game will be played to a close on the day, which would still be difficult because you're supposed to finish at the same time, aren't you? I was, everyone expects Burnley to finish after Middlesbrough and Brighton, so we'll know exactly what's going to happen. Um, which could mean that we're promoted and it's a good party atmosphere for us while Charlton are protesting, or it could mean that we're stressing trying to get a goal, which doesn't really bear thinking about. But yeah, we need to beat QPR first, get that out of the way, and then hopefully it will be as smooth as possible at Charleston because the, the potential for disruption is certainly there. Fair enough. All right, and with that, we are well beyond our usual runtime, but we had a great time, so uh, deal with it, I suppose. Um, but if you want to tell people where they can find you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah, I've been Jamie Smith. I host the Non and Ever podcast, which covers Burnley and the Championship. You can find that at nonandever.net, and that's on Twitter as well. At nonandevernet is the username, or you can follow me. My username is Jamie Smith. Uh, yeah, I'm Dan. If for some reason you want to find me on Twitter, it's at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Uh, thanks for having me on. Cheers for listening, guys. I've been Jim. I'm the uh, chief. Uh, I'm not the chief betting editor anymore. I'm the gaming content manager for Perform, which basically covers a lot of different websites and portals like Goal.com, Soccerway and Opta. So if you want to read any of my kind of ramblings about Leicester and uh, betting related stuff, then head over there and and read away. Yeah, and I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevrov on Twitter. You can find my fantasy writings at uh, playtaga.com and theeaglespeak.com. You can also listen to our fantasy show, the FPL Roundtable, which goes up on Thursdays as well as this, which goes up Mondays and Fridays, but it seems like you've already figured that out if you made it to this point in the show. Uh, so thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure, as always, guys, and we do hope you keep listening, and we'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 